0: As a built-in perk of being a human being, God is working to give each of us an eternal spiritual marriage relationship. As we know, marriages on earth sometimes work well, sometimes not well, and sometimes don't happen at all. So how does that affect our experiences in the afterlife? It's the divine will to give us all the gift of a marriage in heaven with a soulmate, or conjugal partner, as Swedenborg puts it and God will work through any outer circumstances in our life to bring us that gift, if that's what we really want. It's something that God can be building in us from within, and issues of physical time or circumstances can't block that process. So the idea of this afterlife marriage brings up a few key questions. If my spouse has died, can I still be married to them in the afterlife? What happens in the afterlife if I've been married to more than one person on earth? What if I've never married, but want a relationship in the afterlife? For some widows and widowers, remarriage feels like the right thing, but for others it doesn't. Maybe well-meaning friends have urged you to move on and find someone new as a way to heal, but you don't have to find someone else if you don't want to. You can actually still be working on your marriage with your spouse who is in the afterlife. Amount of time separated makes no difference because there's no time in the afterlife. You're still connected to your spouse in spirit and God is still working on your marriage relationship, even if you're temporarily living on opposite sides of the veil. If we do choose to remarry, of course we're gonna wonder which partner will we be with in the afterlife? Fortunately, God provides effective systems in the afterlife for making that very clear. When you cross over someday, you'll have the opportunity to spend time with each person you've been married to, to feel out which person is your soulmate. This is true whether you've been married once on earth or multiple times. It will become clear to both of you whether you belong together or not, because of the ability in the afterlife to understand yourself and others in a much more deep, clear, and true way. In the afterlife, you'll be able to feel one another's auras and share thoughts and feelings. Those who don't end up being soulmates can part as friends, with each one finding their true soulmate and happiness. So the divine will orchestrate the provision of a soulmate for everyone who wants it, whether we meet them here on earth or in the afterlife. We can be starting on that marriage in our life now, even if we're not married. No matter what your outer circumstances, right now you can be strengthening your eternal marriage by working on uniting goodness and truth inside yourself. For an overview of what spiritual marriage really is, see our episode Spiritual Marriage and What Married Love Is, For descriptions of what Swedenborg learned about marriage in heaven, see, will we be married in heaven? Yes. But we got to know more about the ideas that God is working on your marriage even if the two of you are separated across the veil, that systems in the afterlife will clarify who your soulmate is, and that uniting goodness and truth within yourself is also working on your eternal marriage. So let's look into it. we're going to begin by talking about working on your marriage across the veil. The question here is, you have this bond with somebody, and you feel like this is love. This has been bringing us together for a long time. It's deeper than the physical, but somebody dies. And can marriage survive the death of one? This is what Swedenborg wrote in Marriage Love 321. As to souls, and therefore as to minds, the mind is the soul, they are united. I mean, they meaning a married couple. And this uniting is an actual joining of one's soul and mind to the others, because it is spiritual. A joining that absolutely cannot be dissolved. These two are not even separated by the death of one, since the spirit of the deceased husband or wife continues to live with the husband or wife who is not yet deceased. And this continues until the other one's death, when they meet again and reunite themselves, and love each other more tenderly than before because they're in the spiritual world. It was a spirit – the spirits that loved each other in the first place. And that, that's where our humanness resides. That's where the actual bond formed. So if you got two spirits with two bodies, one person loses their body, the spirits are still together. And it's – I mean, it's kind of beautiful. And you may seem like, oh, I wish I could have something like that, you know, a, a love that even, even death couldn't separate. Actually, This kind of love is not just for people who are lucky enough to find someone. This this love is universally accessible to anybody who wants it.
1: For anyone who longs for true marriage love, the Lord provides compatibility. If it does not happen on earth, then he provides for it in the heavens. This is because all marriages based on true marriage love are arranged by the Lord. The Lord's divine providence is at its most detailed and comprehensive when dealing with marriages and in how it operates within marriages. Because all the joys of heaven well up from the joys of marriage love, the way fresh water bubbles up from a gushing spring. For this reason, it is arranged for the two to be born and for them to be gradually prepared for marriage under the Lord's oversight. We speak of an apparent accident, instinct, or voice from within. But this really means divine providence, since that is what providence seems like when we are unaware of it. What is actually happening is that the Lord is revealing their inner compatibility so that they can see each other.
0: So God's providence is in every detail. Around. God is taking very good care of everyone's path to a soulmate relationship. And as we all know, you're living, you meet someone, oh my gosh, we're perfect for each other, and then that's how, Well, it didn't happen like that for you? <laughs> that quote is actually talking about a reveal in the spiritual world. Here in the physical world, as everything is, it's a little more confusing and cluttered than that. In, actually, in this world, soulmate recognition or conjugal partner recognition is not always instant. It can take quite a long time. You never can really know until you're in the spiritual world. And another important point about this whole kind of soulmate relationship is that that first fire that you feel, it's, it's not necessarily all about that. It's really about the building afterwards. This is from Marriage Love 162. The first warmth of marriage does not unite, for it comes out of sexual love, which is bodily. Anything in your spirit that comes from your body does not last long. We're not saying sex is bad. We're not saying the body is bad. We're just saying that it doesn't last. You can't build something permanent on that alone. But bodily love that comes from your spirit does last. So you can get the two working in harmony. Spiritual love and bodily love that comes from the spiritual enters the married partner's souls and minds, together with, with what? What makes it spiritual? Friendship and trust. When these two join with the first love of marriage, it becomes married love. So when you have that that passion and the first flame, or or however that looks, it's about that that attraction joining with friendship and trust. That's that's what the flavor is of of true married love, which opens up their hearts and breathes the sweetness of love into them, more and more deeply as the two join themselves to the first love. It enters them, and they enter it." It sounds cool. And you may say, like, you may be like, watching this on your phone on the couch, and you're looking at your significant other, like, do we really check those boxes? Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. We, it. we don't know for sure while we're here. And it doesn't mean we have to get to a state that feels like that description here, or else it wasn't anything. It just, any, everything expands in the afterlife. We don't always know the state of it here. It's just about getting a start. It's about getting a start here uh, on that friendship and trust, right? That those are really the core. The falling in love stuff actually is not necessarily it, but it is a start and it is a a preview. The falling in love is a preview of what's to come.
2: The Gottman Institute lists three phases of a romantic love relationship, and phase one is actually full of floods of physical hormones that give rise to these euphoric feelings of falling in love. But the relationship is going to burn out and end unless the couple moves on to phases two and three, which require the building of trust and the building of commitment. Looking at marriage love from a spiritual perspective, Swedenborg learned the same thing that phase one doesn't yet have genuine love in it, but just has the potential for it and the beginnings of it. But does this mean that that phase is pointless? Well, no, it's actually this sweet gift from God. It's a preview of what marriage love can feel like if a couple is willing to go on that journey of building a partnership, a deeper friendship, with trust and commitment involved. And if they go on that journey, um, that is building towards um, an experience of marriage that will include those wonderful, amazing feelings of falling in love, the um, just the joy of being together, the gratitude of having each other, uh, the desire to express love and caring and kindness in many ways, that is going to come back in a way that is um, more full and real and permanent and can especially be fully experienced in heaven. So um, the honeymoon state (laughs) is a preview of what marriage can be. Systems in
0: the afterlife bring clarity. Last section we were talking about, look, you've got someone, and you love them, and they love you, and that bond is so real and so strong that even the death of of one of you isn't going to stop it, because it can continue across the veil, and then you can work on it afterwards, forever. But what if there's more than one person in the picture? What if you have been married to more than one person in your life? Which bond grows stronger forever? Who are you connected to across the veil, right? This is where these systems come into place. That The nature of the spiritual world reveals our deeper selves to us. This is the way God has it all organized. And because there's that revealing, it also reveals the deeper nature of the bonds between people. So everything becomes clear, and we're able to see, yeah, who are we really connected to? This is from Heaven and Hell 494. It often happens that married partners meet after death and welcome each other joyfully. They stay together as well, but for a longer or shorter time, depending on how happily they had lived together in the world. Ultimately, unless they had been united by real marriage love, which is a union of minds from heavenly love, they separate after having been together for a while. That just strikes me as very realistic. Of of course, no matter what, you're going to be like, "Wow, it's you again." And there's no rules like, "Well, did you have a spiritual bond or not?" Let's look in the book that you get to hang out again, right? And depending on the type of the relationship, but if the relationship was wasn't either wasn't deep or was toxic or something, it's not like okay, let's spend a long time together. You you push apart naturally because you're sensing what's really there. But it's not like in this world where you could not quite really know your compatibility or the nature of your relationship, because there you're able to tell the nature of, of whether you're, you're united or not, and it has to do with auras in the spiritual world. In Heaven and Hell, Swedenborg wrote, "...spirits perceive who we are not only from our faces and voices, but also from the aura of our life when, when they come near." there's this thing, there's this aura, which is an essence, you know, an imprint of, of how you think and how you feel around you. And it's something you can, people can pick up on. And this helps us sort things out. Here's a little bit more about spiritual auras and how they affect interpersonal interaction in the spiritual world.
1: As a result of our feelings of love, a spiritual aura goes out from all of us, in fact, pours out and surrounds us. The auras that radiate from spirits and angels are profoundly spiritual, because spirits and angels have feelings of love and the deeper perceptions and thoughts that come from these. This is the source of all sympathy and antipathy, of feeling connected or disconnected, and these in turn are the source of all sense of presence or absence in the spiritual world. Likeness and harmony cause a feeling of connection and presence. And unlikeness and disharmony cause a sense of disconnection and absence. Such spiritual auras then create distance in the spiritual world.
0: And continuing on in that same number, the inclinations of married partners are from no other source. This This is a tool that allows people in marriages to know what the marriages are. Favorable and harmonious auras bring them together, and hostile and inharmonious ones drive them apart. Because harmonious ones are pleasing and welcome, while inharmonious ones are painful and unwelcome. Because you think what, what brings people are. Together or drives them apart. Here it can be circumstances, you know, if, if there's money troubles or there's something distracting in the world. But here this is about the auras are the expression of your life, and if those two, if your lives aren't compatible or are, that's really what we're getting at here, free of this external distraction. I've heard from angels who have a clear perception of these spiritual auras that there's no part of a human being, either internal or external, which does not renew itself. This happens by a process of breaking down and building back up, and that is the purpose of the aura that constantly pours out of us. Wow, and I, I feel like I, didn't, I never even thought about that till this very second. So there, this this uh, part of why we have this aura is that it's part of this process of of renewal of the spirit and body. They have told me that this aura clings to us near the back and near our chest though only thinly in the back and densely at the chest. Just if you guys want to know. Because the auras come from every part of us and are always completely surrounding us, they connect or disconnect married partners from the inside, not only from the outside. This accounts for any change or fluctuation in marriage love. Okay, so not even just are we generally compatible, but even like why we're really on right now and now we're off, it has to do with this aura thing. And the the auras are constantly renewing themselves and changing, so it, there is always room to to continually have your auras be more and more harmonious. So again, it's not like, okay, is everything perfect right away? But you, there will be an ability to tell, like, are we just, are, are we trying to make something work that, that won't make either of us happy? But I still feel like with any of this kind of talk, it can bring up all these sort of cosmic spiritual relationship fears. Because what if you really have someone that you feel like, I really want to be with them, but what if I get there and it won't happen? There'll be this aura or a or, committee, or they'll get pushed apart. I would say God is our friend. God is on our side, and God knows the deepest stuff that's going on. Every like longing or want or fear you have, God is more aware of that than you are, and the nature of it, and the source of it, and how to take good care of us, and and actually yeah, is, is carrying our fears and all that even more than we are. So ultimately, whatever happens through this, especially in the spiritual world where we see things clearly, is going to feel deeply right, because it's based on what's fundamentally true. It doesn't mean that we won't worry about things. It's actually really hard to get around those sort of concerns, and, actually having these particular ideas about marriage and it being eternal sets you up for a whole new slate of fears that you wouldn't have. But luckily, we've got a guest here, Donette Rose Allfelt, who was, has been a widow for almost 40 years, and she led a Swedenborgian widow widowers support group. And here's her sharing a little bit about some fears that can hit people who do believe particularly in this eternal heavenly marriage, and how she gets past those fears. <laughs>
3: My grief support group was made mostly of individuals who believe in an afterlife, who believe in a heaven where people are safe and healthy and busy and vibrant and very happy. So some in my group were concerned about their sadness. If their partners were such a beautiful place, was it okay for them to feel so sad, even devastated and angry about this separation? Sometimes it felt selfish to grieve. But of course there's nothing selfish about grieving for the loss of someone you love. Grief is part of a process of adjusting to a huge change in your life. Jesus said, blessed are they that mourn. He didn't say, blessed are they who trust me so much that they don't need to mourn. He knew about grief. God knows all about grief because God's all about love and because God's all about love he grieves with us and for us. Another issue that came up in our group that wouldn't come up in your typical grief group was a feeling that maybe we weren't good enough or spiritual enough to qualify for this beautiful everlasting marriage love that Swedenborg describes. Or that maybe because our partners were in the spiritual world, they were progressing spiritually at such a rate that we'd never catch up. It's become more and more clear to me, with the help of Swedenborg, that if we love our partners and continue to try to become better people, and therefore better spouses, that we have nothing to fear. My husband continues to influence the way I think and what I do. His spirit is part of who I am. I think this is true of every happily married couple, that their spirits are conjoined. Now maybe it seems easy for me to say this because I'm 90 years old and my reunion is pretty soon. But I've felt this way for many years, as did others in my support group. And I become more and more confident in the the reality of the togetherness of our spirit. And this has brought me peace.
0: Let's talk about building a marriage inside yourself. As we were talking on and on earlier this episode about, oh, you know, you've got these, who are you going to have a bond with? Or is your bond going to survive? And it, it almost, it almost doesn't matter. Because whether or not you've been married, or whether you've been married to multiple people, wherever you are, whoever you are, anywhere in life, you can be working on your eternal marriage right now by working on a marriage that's inside of you. And this is the marriage of goodness and truth. It's a foundational thing in the universe that has to happen in us in order for us to ever enter into these kinds of relationships we're describing. And working on this internal marriage is... Uh, this synonymous with working on our spiritual growth. We're looking at improving ourselves, opening up to God, and that that is actually what makes all this possible. Really, this, this partnership is a partnership between us and God. So that's the foundation that underlies all this other stuff. So to have that partnership work, which has got to work before everything else can work, we have to commit to the relationship. And then resist what's in opposition to the relationship. So this is in every little aspect of life you're saying, look, this is the truth that I want to follow. This is what I know is telling me to live a good life as I best understand it. I'm going to try to do that, and I'm going to resist what is trying to get me to live what I know to be some kind of doing some kind of harm in the world, right? Doing that and doing it habitually and making that what drives us, rather than just sort of the ego. and And our lower urges driving us, that's what allows God to build this marriage in every part of us, the marriage of goodness and truth. Because genuine marriage love, this thing that we're talking about that's so cool and lasts, it's just a part of a deeper way of life. Swedenborg wrote about it this way in Marriage Love 95, "...the reason marriage love is a desire that belongs to the inner or spiritual self..." Yeah, what's so good about it is that the more intelligent and wise we become, the more inwardly focused or spiritual we become, and the more perfectly our minds are structured. So this spiritual growth really does something to us. It actually allows for a better structure of our mind or our spirit. This new frame of mind can receive marriage love because it can discern and feel a spiritual pleasure within it, a pleasure that is blissful deep down. So you have to have yourself sorted out before you can even see value in this I'm going to join with somebody else. From this comes a kind of earthly pleasure that draws its soul, its life, and its essence from that spiritual pleasure. He's not saying we're going to be experiencing these things that are totally ineffable. You know, they'll be recognizable stuff, but what's the root of it? What's driving it? That's what we have to let God arrange or rearrange in us. And it's interesting that he talks about wisdom being essential here, that really that word for Swedenborg is more talking about like a moral wisdom rather than book smarts. So it's that wisdom to say, in this area of life, I'm going to pursue what I think is helpful and resist the urges to do what's harmful. So in regard to marriage in particular, you're talking about pursuing everything that is constructive and loving, rejecting everything that Swedenborg and the Bible call adultery. So this is any kind of sexual dysfunction that is going to compromise your commitment to that marriage relationship. He says a lot more about that in all kinds of places, but for now, just know it's, it's the same sort of principle of, like, okay, what's go, – go after what's good, reject what's harmful. And it's all about doing that over and over and over again so that we get this steady progress. This is Marriage Love 98. The real love in marriage is found only among those who crave wisdom and therefore make steady progress toward it. Isn't that – come on, did you expect that he would say that? It's not even – in a way, it's not like, oh, oh, the way I get more marriage love is to more and more think about my partner, and more and more try to figure out what they want. This is about pursuing the good life, and that uh, that life is the, the, the seedbed in which marriage love can grow. From this, from them, this love doesn't, for them, that now it makes sense, for them, this love does indeed begin with sexual love, or better, through sexual love, but it doesn't originate there. Instead, it originates precisely, Yeah, what what is it that makes this marriage love start, when wisdom steps on the scene? And I don't know if that's too common to say, well, in philosophy and religion, to say, look, um, relational love depends on personal growth. But we definitely, in like pop psychology, it's you, you, unless you sort out your issues, you're not going to really be able to really care about somebody else. Sexual love is not the source of real married love, but it is before it in point of time, Though not in point of purpose." Meaning it's, it's it's part of the progression, but it doesn't have the same goal. For what is first in purpose is first in the mind and its intention, because it is the most important thing. But the only access to this thing is gradually through means to an end. The means are not the most important thing. They just move you on toward the most important thing. Because what is that? if we peel it all back, what is the most important thing? It's about being good. It's about love. It's about being uh, uh, loving the human race and doing what's good for everyone. So, the joining, the marriage of goodness and truth inside you is to make you the kind of person that has a heavenly mind that God can inspire to go do good things. That's what allows you to receive this love that lets you join with somebody else in this marriage relationship. But that in itself is, again, the marriage. It's like the marriage of goodness and truth. So, that has to be looking towards going out and helping the world. And if that's at the core of everything, that it's not just as inward sort of, we really are into each other, or I'm really into what the gratification that this relationship gives me, if it's got the, the main thing, the main thing, right? If it's got this love of, of goodness and, and, and being a helpful, nice person at the core of it, that brings the friendship and trust and everything that's important. That may seem like a lot, and you may be saying, how would I ever practice something like that? Well, our friend... And retired psychology professor and author of five books inspired by Swedenborg's writings as the ideas apply to psychology, Dr. Sony Werner is going to help us out there. She's going to talk about having realistic expectations and gradually building the heavenly attitude around marriage here in this life.
4: I do have some thoughts about spiritual marriage and how we can prepare for it while we're here on this earth. One thought I've learned from Swedenborg is that we have an opportunity to develop we can go from sort of a beginning level to a much more mature level, but it's a choice. So what I mean by that is at first, everybody does good things and hopes to get a reward, just like a child who might clean up their room and they expect to get some kind of a bonus or a present or a gold star. Well, us grownups, we're not much different. We expect certain kind of bonuses. And it's interesting because sometimes people expect that they will get a reward in heaven, maybe in terms of having a soulmate handed to them who is a perfect person. Well, I would prefer to think of the beginning level of being we want a bonus, but we can mature to another level. And by that, I mean, maybe we can shift our focus away from ourselves and look at the good qualities in our partner. Maybe look for faithfulness and loyalty and kindness and generosity. And when we do that, we can also go to the next level, and that is, say that the Lord provided those qualities. That's the source of all the goodness. And when we do that, we are preparing for a lifelong, an eternal marriage because we'll be shifting our focus over to looking for the Lord in our partner. And even if we're not married here, we can look at those qualities in our friends. And as we're doing that, we're preparing for an eternal marriage. And I think that's pretty amazing.
0: So what do we learn today? we learned that we can be working on developing marriage love inside ourselves, whatever our state of life or marital state. This is not something that's exclusive, and you're not in the club because of external circumstances. This is something that's going on every minute inside of us, and that actually married love is is just a part of this mindset we're all trying to get into. So you can do something, we can do something, everyone can do something about it right now. So working on our spiritual growth relationship, with God, that that marriage that we have with God strengthens our eternal marriage relationship. That, that's the underlying work that you can put in anywhere, anytime. And that, but with the idea of a soulmate, that you're actually going to spend time with a significant other, everybody's journey to that relationship is unique. You're never going to know exactly what yours looks like, but you do know that God has absolutely got that under control. You don't need to worry about that working out or not working out. The Swedenborg says providence is more in the details there than, than anywhere else, if you can even say that, right? So that—don't worry about it. God's got it. And God—I don't know what your concept is of God when you think of God, but, but God is absolute knowing of who you are and absolute caring about every detail of your happiness. So if you're looking for that kind of fulfillment, God knows it. God's going to put it there and and make that happen for you. So don't – there's plenty more stuff to worry about in life. And that commitment inside of us that we can make, that commitment from God, the way the whole of everything is designed, will get us to this really amazing happy state where we've got somebody that we're partnering with in life to, to both to have joy with each other, but also to go out and serve the world and nothing, not time or death or anything can mess that up. So let's get out there and join some goodness and truth.
5: Off the left eye is Curtis Childs, director, producer, and host. Karin Childs, writer, community manager, and host. Chelsea Odner, writer, production manager, and host. And Jonathan Rose, host and series editor of the NCE. Shada Sullivan is the voice you love in our narrations. Stuart Farmer is our technical director. Matthew Childs, our video art director. Our motion designers are Meng Jong and Jesse Johnson. Reed McCardle made our music. Devin Osblond is our production intern. Cara Dom is our Latin consultant extraordinaire. And Chris Dunn is our digital marketing magician. And you are our much-loved listener. And now you can journey with us all week. Every Monday's Swedenborg and Life episode, including this one, has a week's worth of content lined up to support you in your exploration of these life-changing ideas. All video content premieres at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time, and 7 p.m. Greenwich Mean Time on the Off the Left Eye YouTube, Facebook, and Simplecast channels. On Tuesdays, find us on social media or go to offthelefteye.com to get custom downloadable art paired with the week's topic to ground you through the week. On Wednesdays, join us to dig a little deeper into the week's topic with news from heaven. On Thursdays, we want to hear from you. We'll be sharing a new reflection question weekly on our community tab and social media channels. Then join us for Swedenborg Live on Fridays for our panel Q&A show. And listen every Sunday to the Inside Off the Left Eye podcast to always know what we're up to and what you can look forward to. If you want to help sustain Off The Left Eye's operations, consider becoming a monthly donor today. And right now, we have a matching gift challenge from a very generous donor couple where dollar for dollar up to $10,000 will be matched when you make a new or increased monthly donation. You can provide a direct gift or restrict it to our new Off The Left Eye endowment fund. Giving to the endowment fund is a great way to guarantee that your gifts live on to help Off The Left Eye forever. Go to otle.cosvox.com to become part of our essential community of donors. From all of us here at Off the Left Eye, we thank you.